0: ahead and get started with our work session for April 5th, 2022. And welcome to everyone that is here in the audience and those that are online. We're going to start with the, our state required presentation of the Historic Preservation Certified Local Government Annual Report. Welcome.
1: Hello, Council. I am Jessica Bristow. I'm the Historic Preservation Planner and I'm just here to provide you with some highlights of our annual report. Just a tiny bit of background, Uh, the certified local government program that we call the CLG program was established in 1980 and Iowa City joined it by about 1983. It basically encourages historic preservation at the local level using the secretary of the interior standards for rehabilitation It provides some technical assistance through the state historic preservation office, which we tend to call SHPO and provides some funding opportunities for preservation activities. Iowa City has eight historic districts that are all listed on the National Register of Historic Places, and they're also locally designated. We also have five conservation districts. That's only a local designation. There's no national register component. We have 65 local landmarks. 45 of those are also listed in the National Register. This slide shows you some of our, or well, all of our districts. This slide has some general information and one of my favorite images. It's hard to see here, but it does show the districts and little red dots for all of the local landmarks. Our commission consists of 12 seats. Three of those are open now, and some of them have been open for a while. In 2021, we had 14 uh, commission meetings and we have a a little budget from our NDS um, neighborhood and development services department for our annual mailing and um, travel and education expenses. We also have the historic preservation fund. The report goes through and talks about what the work that we have done as a commission in the first section under number three in the report talks about alterations that were done to properties listed in the National Register of Historic Places. We just uh, count those based on the reviews that we have done throughout the year in uh, 2021. We had 41 of those. We also don't count certificates of no material effect that we issue or work on garages. So there was actually a little bit more than that. This is just one example where a permanent accessibility ramp was designed for the close mansion. Um, questions four and five in the report talk about our local landmark designation, and we did designate six properties in the calendar year, four of them in that 100 block of East College Street. Uh, we also have 410, 412 Clinton and the Highlander Supper Club. Number six in the report talks about properties that are only locally designated, so there's no national register component that were also altered, and we count these also based on our reviews. So these are mostly local only landmarks or properties in our conservation districts in uh, 2021, not in counting the certificates of no material effect or work on garages. We had 27 of those. This is one example. It's a house in one of our conservation districts, and the commission approved a screen porch addition to the back of it. Section eight of our report is really about the work we do with public outreach and education, uh, providing assistance to property owners on preservation issues, working with other groups. We did have one hundred and eight, 118 applications in 2021. That's the most that we've had second only to the year of the 2006 tornado when we had an 120 applications. One of the biggest forms of assistance we have beyond reviewing and helping uh, with planning and preservation projects is our historic preservation fund. To date, we have given out 5,000 matching grants or no interest loans for properties on um, for projects on properties in our districts or locally landmarked. This just happens to be one example at 430 Ronald's where it went through this transformation using three different grants. Another big form of public outreach we have is our um, our annual awards program. Last year was the 38th annual. We held it in July. It was postponed a little bit. This year uh, would be 39th. We haven't started planning that yet. The last real section beyond the reporting on the commission are uh, challenges and successes that we have had throughout the year. Of course, we had COVID, we have the open positions on the commission, we also have some difficulties with lack of contractors uh, for people in the community, and um, then we have the 109 Market Street, which was a success the year before, but because of the Uh, the uh, agreement falling through. uh, It's now in one of our challenges. Our biggest success of the year was listing our downtown Iowa City, downtown historic district in the National Register of Historic Places. This happens to be just a shot of the PED mall and a map of the district showing the properties that are um, contributing and non-contributing and stuff like that. That's all I have. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Any questions or comments from council?
2: I just think it's uh, it's actually a really helpful thing to see this once a year so that we so that we're reminded of the, the number of historic districts and properties that we have and the work that goes on there.
3: yes i'd li- I'd like to thank you for your report because it was interesting to see the actual numbers then and and I was just talking to someone the other day about. The history of iowa city in general and 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 the need to preserve that and and let it be known because there's just so much history uh and particularly you know the historic buildings it's amazing some beyond the old capital which most people think of
4: (laughs) yeah i always always appreciate uh hearing hearing what work is being done in this field and uh it, it i was very surprised to hear how high the application rate was compared you know from a yearly standpoint how high it was this year and I always look forward to the awards event uh because it's I, I know that you know this this notion of care is so central to the idea of sustainability really I mean it's historic preservation these are buildings that people love and they're willing to care for them and, and express that love in in the caring for the architecture uh and and so that that i don't know to me that's essential to you know preserving iowa city's image and character and spirit so thank you and and all the commission members and all those in iowa city who put such love and care into their buildings
0: thank you so much all right the next item on our agenda is forest view relocation proposal update and I'll just give it to our city manager, Jeff Ryan.
5: Okay, good evening, uh, mayor and council. Um, we don't have anything uh, supplemental for you in terms of a written document, but I did wanna share some some updates with you uh, verbally this afternoon and and allow you to continue to have uh, your discussion to move this forward. So uh, uh, as you recall from your last meeting, there were several questions raised that you uh, had asked staff to look further into. and I wanna walk you through those uh mostly uh you kind of lump those into two categories the the eligibility criteria and then the method in which we are going to require documentation or not require documentation Uh, so i want to i want to start with the eligibility uh, piece of it so what we've been able to do or what we're currently in the process of is trying to figure out um, how many households uh, were in the forest view neighborhood at any given point in time over the last uh, couple of years Um, The uh, Tenants Association through the Center for Worker Justice has provided us um, a very helpful document that that shows um, their accounting of just that, who was there all the way from the 2019 Conditional Zoning Agreement to current day. Uh, We also have our own utility records, which we are cross-referencing with that document. And then um, I have asked, but I have not received uh, from the um, owner of the of the park as well. And I'm hoping to have those three data sources to really make it very reliable and and, and certain who was there when. Um, but but just looking preliminarily at the, the document that we got from uh, the tenants and, and the city uh, utility records, there appears to be a little discrepancy, but very minor. So what you might expect in something like that. So we're pretty close. And I'll walk you through the different points in time uh, so you can get an idea how these numbers have changed so currently um, uh, we have uh, between 55 and 59 um, households uh, at forest view Um, if you go back to the eligibility date that the city uh, staff that i recommended to you at your last meeting that was september of 21 uh, we had 62 to 67 uh, households there so again uh, currently 55 to 59 going back to uh, um, September of last year, 62 to 67, and I just want to be clear that I'm giving you a range because that's the discrepancy in the two data sources that we have right now. I'm I'm confident that can be worked out. Um, the other date, the other couple dates that you asked us to look uh, at were March of 21 and March of uh, 20. Um, I'll start with March of 21. Uh, we have uh, anywhere from 65 to 70 households uh, there at March of 21. Uh, Again, comparing that to the previous, I said 62 to 67. So you can see the uh, continual increase as we go back in time there. Now with March of 21, September of 21, we feel very, very confident that ARPA funds are are able to be used for those households. When we go back to to March of 20, um, we believe we believe that ARPA funds can be used. And I say it because I want you to know there's a little bit of degree of uncertainty there. It's not as crystal clear, but we believe we could make a, a strong case uh, to suggest that uh, ARPA funds could be used back to March of 20, essentially the, 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 uh, um, uh, the entrance of COVID into, uh, into our area here. So if you go back to March of 20, uh, we have 74 to 82 households. 74 to 82 households march of 20th Uh, we believe we can make a strong case for arpa it's not as clear but we believe we can make that case and if you go all the way back to the conditional zoning agreement uh, there is between 82 and 87 households uh, that resided uh, at forest view at that time we are confident to say that you cannot well we'd have to find an alternative funding source that that we will not be able to use arpa funds for that those households that that um, were there at the time of the cza but may not have been at least by march of 20th so you can see um, that range from start to finish from the conditional zoning agreement is 82 to 87 households uh, to the current day 55 to 59 that gives you an idea of of how things have changed if you take kind of the max end of the range uh, at the CZA level, you're looking at about a $1.3 million um, expenditure on relocation uh, versus the current uh, day would would be just under a million about 930. So you're talking all, all in all a range of about 400,000 um, speaking in approximates there. The uh, Tenants Association did some preliminary checking on income levels. Remember, there was uh, some, some discussion about uh, the, the $40,000 income threshold. Um, they have relayed to us that they have seven households that are above that threshold, uh, but they are also working to confirm income levels in 16 remaining households. So we don't have firm numbers yet. But somewhere between seven and at most twenty-three um, would not be would would are making more than that forty thousand dollar threshold. I also want to want to um, remind you that it's it's not just the um, uh, the income that if we can work with those households and understand their income, we can help cross-reference eligibility with with uh, stated federal programs, and even if they're not using those federal programs, if they're eligible to use federal assistance programs and make a little bit more than that 40,000, they still may be able to um, self-attest there. So a little bit more work to be done there, but that gives you an idea. Um, just to do the, you know, the quick math, um, if there's seven uh, households above that income uh, threshold and we decide to use other funds to address those, Uh, households, that's a little over $110,000. So uh, it gives you a little bit of um, idea of of scale there. If all 16 of the uh, remaining households where income has not been able to to been pinned down, if all of those were over, which is unlikely, um, uh, based on the data trends, you'd be looking at non-source funds, non-ARPA source funds of $362,000. Okay, so that's a that's a little bit of the range. That's a lot of numbers, a lot of dates. Um, can I clarify anything for you at this point on those on that information?
6: Can you just go back and um, you talked about a range of 400K and it was the difference between 1.3 million and roughly 900K. And what
5: that's the what were those monies yeah. attached to? So that's the, the population. The, if you if we funded everybody that was at the park. Um, uh, with the signing of the CZA. Mm-hmm. Um, at the upper end of the data that we have right now, it's 87 households, uh, that would be 1.3 million. Okay, uh, thank a- you. And then the, the 9, 929,000 represents the 59 households that live there now. And Of course, oh. our recommendation was that we go back to September, but I, I thought it was important just to give you those numbers now, so you, you understood the. And the CZA was in 2019? 2019. 2019, yes.
3: And Jeff, I I think there was some question that would it be possible and what would the difference be then uh, that those folks that had already moved out uh, could get a partial, not not the grand total of the ones that are still living there. Yeah. So how could we figure that? And is that possible to figure that
5: you're right? So at at that point, you know, if we're going all the way back to the CZA and we're looking at those, it's maybe five households, you know, there's there's a little bit of um, uncertainty there, but between that, that moved out between the CZA and and um, the onset of COVID, it's probably roughly around five houses. Um, we would we would have to use uh, non-ARPA funds, which means that would be taxable uh, for the recipient, oh, okay. um, and you could adjust that amount. You, you would have the ability to say. Instead of the uh, 15,750, we're going to go back to the 7,200, for example, that was specifically listed in the CZA. You would have that ability to do that at at any point in that continuum that you felt was appropriate. The numbers that I quoted were assuming everybody got the same 1575.
0: I think it might be helpful um, for us to move this conversation along a little bit. Um, if we could, well, documentation under, you were gonna talk about Yeah,
5: that. I can cover that real quick if you Please. want. Please, so, yes. So um, we still are strongly recommending we follow the, the self-attest. I think um, that is definitely the cleanest. If we move off self-attest, I just wanna um, give you kind of a quote from the from the regs in, in, in terms of the burden that we have. Um, It has to be based on academic research or government research publications through analysis of their own data, meaning the city's own data, or through analysis of other data sources. It goes on to say, when quantitative data is not readily available, recipients may also consider qualitative research in sources like resident interviews, feedback from relevant state and local agencies, such as public health departments or social service departments. Uh, And it also talks about THE NEED TO DO THAT RESEARCH PRIOR TO DETERMINING THE OUTCOME. SO BEFORE YOU DETERMINE HOW TO OFFSET the, THAT DISPROPORTIONATE IMPACT, YOU HAVE TO PROVE THERE IS DISPROPORTIONATE IMPACT. AND WE'RE, we're KIND OF PAST THAT POINT NOW. I THINK WE COULD PROBABLY WORK AROUND THAT. BUT th- IF WE'RE TRYING TO MAKE THIS LESS BURDENSOME ON THE RESIDENTS, um, we I JUST DON'T THINK WE CAN GO DOWN THAT PATH. I THINK WE'RE GOING TO HAVE TO, WE'RE GOING TO BE IN A SITUATION WHERE WE'RE DOING SURVEYS, WE'RE INTERVIEWING FOLKS. IT'S GOING TO DRAG THIS PROCESS OUT QUITE A BIT. Um, I think Councillor Thomas made a good suggestion at the last meeting that, that if you still want to um, provide funding for those that are um, uh, above that income threshold, that that maybe you should look at using local funds. And of course, that does introduce taxability, um, but that would be the the method to get this moving the quickest, and I think would be um, uh, probably best for all involved. I, I wish we could simply declare declared a class without you know just using census data or something like this but there's not enough there um in in my opinion
3: so um jeff you didn't think we talked about as far as the disproportionate impact that the developer the argument is because of COVID, the the costs and the expenses and this is primarily why they have just washed their hands of this but you don't feel that's a strong enough argument for that disproportionate
5: no i i i i don't think that and i think the evidence that frankly we have is that the project was in jeopardy well before covid and and unfortunately i'm sure covid did not help but um, uh it it may have taken a project that was on shaky ground and finally ended it but um you know our, our discussions with the developer really fell silent six to eight months prior to covid starting so we still think that self-attest is the way is is the way to go. Um, I understand it's not perfect, but um, I, I think uh, I think that's going to be best for all involved. And I, I still think there's some some ways that we can assist those that may be over that income threshold.
0: Thank you. Um, so I would, do want to just remind council that we'll end our conversation um, at five forty-five today, but we'll be able to pick this up after our formal meeting. Um, so, in order to maybe kind of um, answer some of the questions that are still lingering out there, I thought maybe we can tackle some of those first. The most simplistic will probably be the documentation. Um, staff is recommending self-attestment. I wanted to just get counsel thoughts.
4: I, I agree uh, with Jeff's uh, suggestion. I'm I'm happy to see that there really weren't many above the 40k threshold, so it's a manageable figure to to address and uh, in, a, in a, by, by providing the funding ourselves.
0: Okay, and and then that's the next question that's kind of attached to that. So those that are above the 40k, is comf- is council comfortable um, using funds from another uh, pot of money that is not COVID related? If we should.
2: Right, right. I'm with the understanding that some of them may um, turn out to be eligible for other federal government programs and therefore still be eligible for ARPA funds. That's which correct. I, yeah,
3: which I think, Jeff,
2: you, yeah. you said Wouldn't the word you? if, right. if
3: they are eligible, and I think that's a very big if. Um, right. So I think we have to be cautious of that.
2: Right, I mean, but you could have a family that earns a certain amount and, and would turn out that they're eligible for SNAP because they have a larger family or, or something like that, but, but aren't currently getting benefits. Right. For example so but yeah
0: so i'm seeing a, a consensus on that um and then the the one that may take a little thought process is really the time frame of who would be eligible for the funds we have all the way back to the CZA, which is in 2019 um up until current um i don't know if anyone has any thoughts or suggestions
3: well, i think i was the one that brought that up too that couldn't they, those ones that were there at the signing of the CZA, they, they were given that hope and dream of, of, uh, of having safe, affordable homes. And, and I saw the condition of some of the homes that had been abandoned by those some of those probably folks uh and some that are still standing and some that have been demolished and and i i certainly they were not they were not livable they were unlivable and I, I i don't blame those folks for leaving and i think that they should be compensated in in some manner for the maybe the cost they're probably still suffering financially from what they had to put out when they abruptly left uh because of the condition of their home so i i'm under the belief that that we do have to compensate them at least partially not for the total that those ones that are still there though
0: I do have um, at least some thought and uh, a proposal that I'll put out there and I think um, I'm taking with a grain of salt you all can take it or leave it Um, my proposal would be for everyone that's uh, been there within the 2022 year get 100 percent anyone that was there during 2021 get 75 percent and then 2020 Gets fifty percent, and then twenty nineteen gets forty percent. That's just my throw it out there, and then we can, if if you don't like it, leave it and throw out your own thoughts.
4: When, Go ahead,
2: Jen. I get, I, I guess what my um my initial thought would be to um fund everyone from. March 2021 through present and and the and look at the 7200 number for those who left pre-covid. I would agree with that.
0: And see so you want to determine how many people were um pre uh, before March 2021 the end okay
2: before sorry before march 20 the beginning sorry going back to the beginning of covid march 20. i get i'm getting years confused it's been longer than we we think it is so um, essentially i would favor full compensation for people who um were there uh in march 2020 so when covid began and when we can we can definitely also use the arpa funds because but and And for the people who were there from the CZA signing, but left prior to the beginning of the COVID, um, the 7,200 number, but that's also just a proposal.
7: I think I would be in in agreement, uh, at least up to the uh, March of 2020. um, And from the period from March, 2020 back to the CZA, I'd love to hear some more input uh, from the residents association before coming up i'm willing to listen to some arguments my my initial reaction is just let's do it the same all the way back to the cza uh sort of where up my position starting off on this but i'm certainly willing to listen to to listen to other other points of view and definitely want to make sure we're hearing from the residents uh before we know make a final decision on that but at least we're in agreement all the way back to uh, march of 2020 i think at at least uh, councilman weiner and i
4: yeah i i also you know feel that that March of 2020 seems like a you know, that's a, a good cutoff point, um, certainly with respect to the ARPA. Uh, and that's, it's great that we have that opportunity uh, to, to tap into that fund for that. In terms of the, uh, I, I do think we need to go back to the 2019 CZA as well. Um, which fortunately is only it looks like about five more people roughly so it's we're not talking about a large number Mm -hmm. um i i think certainly the 7200 hundred dollar figure would be a, a a baseline i i too i think would be interested in hearing um from the forest view community but you know that's the figure that was in the cza uh so i think that would be a starting point for me to be thinking about that
8: i'm a little worried about us you know continuing to push this out further mm-hmm. i think we know that the residents have asked for the full amount going all the way back to the cza um, so i think we have at least that level of input um and i think just for expediency's sake you know my preference would be to try to get as close as we can to getting our staff to a final structure mm-hmm. Um, I like Councillor Weiner's suggestion. I think, you know, holding to the promise of the CZA for those in June, I think it was June of 2019 with the 7,200 and then the larger amount for the period that we believe we can use the ARPA funds of March, 2020 going forward.
6: Just to kind of piggyback on, on what has been said, and I feel like I've benefited from having a lot of people speak before me, but, um, I do think that uh, the most that we can use the ARPA funds makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, and Jeff, I'm sort of writing furiously, and you said it most likely, going back to 2020, um, the ARPA funds can be used. So I definitely want to look into that as expediently as possible. Um, but I, I remain, like Pauline had said, and like many others, like Laura, we got to be expedient And I think that we could look to the CZA for sort of a baseline for that small number of of households that are not covered by this other. Um, I don't want anyone to get left out. And actually, um, Ms. Zahir uh, Salih had sent a late email, and I know Kelly sort of gave it to us all, but she makes a really, really important point about renting in getting housing in iowa city Mm -hmm. now is the time that we need to be doing this and i know everybody here knows that but i would just sort of put a a little bit of weight on that as laura did to say let's try and figure out what we can do as quickly as possible so that we can get money to people so they can find their home home." our
3: our clock the clock is literally ticking here Uh, things are moving along really quickly and I appreciated the the memo from uh, the Center for Worker Justice because I think that uh, many of us I'll speak for myself but I don't know others we kind of take our credit history for granted unless we're uh, applying for a home loan or some major loan and and hadn't even give that thought that some of these folks may be would be able to have a credit rating and i also haven't rented in this community for a really long time so i don't know i don't know how many landlords require a good credit rating uh so so that's that's something to really think about and so she uh, it was mentioned about the 25 are we married to the 25 percent amount that you talked about uh to to get to them initially or could we go with the 50 percent so they have enough funds to actually pay up front for a rental unit or
0: what i might say is oh. that when we come from our formal meeting we're going to come back to our work session oh, okay. Okay, and okay. i think we can continue we can, the conversation and that will be a part that was good. another item good um, just talking about um when we will distribute the funds and, and what percentage right. so w- why don't we hold off until after um until we'll, we'll conclude for now and then we'll come back at 6 p.m to start our formal meeting Work session for May, uh, April 5th, 2022. And we were on the item of Forest View relocation proposal update. Um, and where we left off is really just uh, trying to iron out a few things. The last of the conversation where we were was really talking about um, the amounts for the residents. And I think right before we were leaving, um, there will be another, there will be some more topics that I think will, that will be included in addition to whatever else comes up, but one was a mention about um, the letter from the CWJ or, and really the tenants, um, the Forest View tenants, uh, where they were um, essentially requesting 50% of the money of the funds up front, um, and they gave some examples of Um, the cost for down payment and uh, first month rent. Um, So, and and the other thing that we, so if we can start with maybe revisiting the conversation, what I heard was um, a consensus that everybody did want to go back to 2019. Uh, we had proposed. I think the I wouldn't say majority of council proposed this, but the majority of um, what I heard was people wanted one hundred percent of payments back to um, March of twenty twenty, if I heard that correctly. Um, now that wasn't the majority of council, but that was the majority of the comments that I've heard so far. Um, I put out a proposal. Um, like I said, I wasn't married to it. I was just, um, from everything that I heard. The one thing that was also mentioned is, um, going back in from February to 20, February, 2020 back to when the CZA was created and. um, 2019 those individuals would get um payment but I did hear some offerings have of only given them $7200 so we can pick up the conversation from there
6: I would just like to pick up where I'm sorry I cut you off
0: No no please go ahead
6: I just want to pick up where um John Thomas kind of started or ended and made comment that We're talking about like five households. I I would like to see if we can find the money, the full amount, for everyone, recognizing that not all of it will be covered by ARPA. Um, But so that's my opening gambit.
7: I I agree.
0: One of the um, when I gave you know the percentages and such, a part of my thought process was. You know how do we acknowledge that there was you know some challenge for the individuals that moved away for Mm -hmm. reasons we all don't know Um, but also um, you know being a little um, I don't know a little uh, considering that you know we don't have all the funds in the world to you know do do this project and if there was a consideration for $7,200 being somewhere in this mix, um, I, I would just suggest the council considers that. Um, if that's because that was, you know, a little bit of the the promise by the by the CZA. The other thing that I want to remind council is that. Um, even though we don't have a, a legal obligation to this at all, I, I know that we all feel morally that we want to do what we can for the, um, for the tenants there. Um, so I'll just put it out there. Is there any considerations for how we could you know, involve $7,200 as the least amount anybody would receive? and and if no one has any thoughts or suggestions then we we don't have to go down that road
3: i had proposed the 7200 amount for those uh, at the time of the cza signing only because at that time we were initially told they they weren't on on board at all they were to get nothing and i felt that they do uh deserve to have some type of payment uh if we went the route of the full payment as as everybody else is getting i would be okay with that too but at this point in time at uh, the least, uh, 7,200 for, for those folks, and, and then the the full amount for those above
6: that March 20th date. Um, one of the things for, I don't know, pers- that helped my perspective in this, and I'm certainly not being combative at all, um, is just, again, for me it was perspective taking, is that, you know, an hour ago without blinking, we all were fine with um approving a bidding process for 1.47 million dollars for re-asphalting absolutely necessary the roads are you know but i just that perspective sort of helps me think about what are we talking about in terms of helping a, a, a a tenants association um who have lived there for decades in some cases or have been forced out because they no longer can and that, you know, for as discussions with the developers broke down, the developers stopped putting in any improvements, but for the very bare minimum, if that, they've had to rely on direct aid agencies and volunteers to help them. And so for me, looking at the dollar amount and saying, "Mm, I don't know, my perspective was changed when I realized we're looking at, you know, more than that for asphalt and we're talking about people so for what it's worth that's that's where i'm coming from
4: i um you know i i think that's an it puts an put the puts the number in an inter- interesting light in a sense um, and i i do i do sense that um when the cza was written and the 7200 dollars was identified as a relocation uh, you know, amount that was, was stipulated at that time. I don't think very many people were who signed that CZA were thinking that that's what the outcome would be. You know, they, they were thinking they would be moving to another location in forest view, uh, which didn't happen. Um, So like Pauline, I, I, you know, I certainly felt that that we needed to honor that agreement. Um, Fortunately, as I I noted earlier, it looks like we're only talking about five people, so the the actual amount is not that significant. Um, So, Short of actually trying to identify and locate those people and contact them and ask what their financial circumstances are, I would say we could just simply make that decision and give them the, the full amount that we've
0: decided uh, we
7: would give to the others.
0: So I think I'm hearing no, and i just
7: I I agree and I would say, uh, Mr. Mayor, even though uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I I agree with the, you know, what uh, uh, the full amount and, and thank you, uh, Council Member Alter for uh, for um, putting into words some of those sentiments. But thank you, Mayor, too, for coming up with something to get the conversation rolling. I just want to acknowledge that I, I appreciate that and that there's value in that, too. So
0: So it does sound like the majority of council um is wanting the full amount. Um the major- the majority of council wants to go back to 2019 and give everyone the full amount. Yep, I'm seeing majority of his shake. All right. So there we have that part settled. We're going to move to the next um conversation piece and that is when will we make the funds available to the residents as well as there has been a request by the tenant association about the initial percentage um, which we there was nothing in stone about the 25% um, but now they're requesting 50% of um, upfront money before You know the move actually happens and the other question that i think we have to ask is staff readiness or uh, their preparedness for how all of this gets transcribed as um and we also have um yeah so maybe jeff can kind of talk about that process
5: yeah so on the on the percentage split um i don't think that doesn't really get into the grant rules and details so i think you can set whatever split that you want Uh, staff suggested 25 uh, percent and we we thought that would be sufficient but you're hearing that it may not be so if you if you're comfortable bumping that up to 50 percent i really don't have heartburn over that um uh and and i think you could you could do that in terms of moving forward um i I think based on the conversation that was held uh, today here Um, We pretty much will have all we need to to put together a program. Now, um, uh, so our our next step is gonna be to move to formalize this in a resolution uh, for you so that you can officially vote on it. In the meantime, we've already started to develop some forms, um, explore what translation services may be needed, Um, so I I think we can move pretty expeditiously on this. but we have to expect that there's going to be some some individual cases that are going to be tough to work through. So what I would like to see us do is to try to move as quickly as we can to get the program rolled out, um, understanding that for probably most of the eligible applicants, it's going to be pretty seamless, but also understanding that there may be some discrepancies, there may be trouble locating people, whatever the case may be, that we're going to have to, to, to work through. So. Um, I I hesitate to give you an exact date like this will be on your next agenda, but but um, I hear the call from the residents I know the leasing cycle here. I mean we we want to get this out quick and we will we will push this to the top of the list Uh, Other than that, um, I think the 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 major effort is just to reach out to some of our social service agencies and make sure that um, uh they're prepared to assist and that we're prepared to provide them resources to assist and so those may come at you um uh in a different way i don't don't know quite yet if we'll have formal agreements with them that you'll need to execute or if we'll we'll do that administratively but that will be our next step now that we know the basic program parameters um we'll work with those partners to Make sure that the residents have a place to turn for support in finding that next unit, or or um, connecting with other needed resources that they may have.
2: I don't. I I think I don't have any issue with the fifty percent. I think that um, that we you'd originally talked about Jeff sort of a a, a deadline um, since some and I agree that it should be rolled out as quickly as as feasible. Based on what what staff is capable of doing, I also think there should there should we should probably put a um, a final end date on it when figure out what that eventually should be because some people just may not be able to be located um, and if after whatever we had set as the move out date um, at, at December or whatever it was that people can't be located I, I mean I think I think at that point we have to at some point we just have to be able to say we're done we've done uh, what we can for the maximum number of residents um, rather than sort of having possible claims dragging on that's yeah
5: i I agree i think we just set that at december 9th december 9th is the last point in which you can access those funds and we'll do our best to locate folks i think the tenants association will surely help us out if they're maintaining contact with anybody but we experienced this with the rose oaks displacement that took place Um, we had to use last known addresses for for the tenant list that we had. And uh, we were successful in reaching some and not successful in reaching others. And it'll probably be the similar case here. All right, so can I summarize real quick just to make sure? So we're gonna go all the way back to the CZA. Council understands that for that period between uh, from the CZA to the onset of COVID, which may not be March 1st, you know, there'll be some date in March when the actual emergency was declared. Um, We will use local funds uh, for the approximately five households. We're still trying to nail that number down exactly, but we'll use local funds there um i'm also taking away that we will use local funds for anybody that can't meet the income threshold to be eligible for the arpa uh, dollars so that could be um, a different subset so you know i'm kind of given some some rough guesstimates here but you're we're probably looking at um a minimum of 250,000 in local funds could could climb up to uh three or 400 would be my best guess at this time is whats is what you're committing to. Uh, the rest would be funded through the um, ARPA process. The percentage split, I think I saw enough head shakes to say 50-50 is, is fine with everybody. Um, and uh, you're comfortable with us moving ahead with that self-attest um, uh, method as opposed to the, 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 the study approach. Yeah,
2: I think the, the the only thing that that I'd add is that we just need to make sure that the people who get local funds understand they're taxable.
5: Yeah, we'll we'll try to provide some guidance uh, uh, to them when we distribute those funds. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Just oh, sorry, I just
7: want to uh, acknowledge uh, communications that I, I've gotten and, and discussions I've had with people from uh, uh, Forest View, uh, and also my observations. A thank you to. Uh, our city manager and, and staff for working so closely with the residents and making them uh, a part of the conversation at every step of the way, and for taking on you know this task uh, that they have in front of them, and and being you know uh, um, you know in the work that they're they're about to do. So thank you.
8: I just want to echo that sentiment and thank you also staff for your willingness to create an ARPA program so quickly and so flexibly and so much in line with what we're trying to accomplish here. So really good problem solving. Thank you.
6: Yes.
0: All right, if no other comments, we're going to move on to the American Rescue Plan update. And we're going to ask Rachel Kelbert to come forth.
9: Hello, Marin City. Co- oh, is this still off? Still? They'll
5: kick it back on when you start.
9: Oh. <laughs> Hi, Marin City Council. Um, so my purpose tonight is really just to give you um, a status update um, on where we're at with our ARPA spending priorities. Um, so, to do that, in your, um, in your, on your work, attached to your work session agenda uh, was a memo that I had drafted, um, kind of outlining that, that um, where we're at with each of these. So, I'm really just going to walk through that. Um, And then attached to that memo also um, was uh, the presentation that we had presented at a september work session Um, and if you had a chance to review that that really just um, provided kind of an overview of all of the public input that we had conducted what we heard and then um, ultimately our recommendations based upon what we heard Um, and those recommendations uh, that we presented were agreed upon by council and So those were broken out into really two categories. The first category was these emergent needs, these kind of um, uh, issues that needed to be addressed uh, rather quickly, and then um, a second category of strategic investments, um, which were um, some of those kind of more transformative, longer term, bigger picture uh, investments that we we saw value in using these funds for. So I'll kind of walk through each of these um, just to give you a sense of where we're at. So I I know you're all aware that we were allocated 18.3 million. We have about half of that in the bank right now. I'd expect we get the other half um, later this spring. And we have made um, one funding subaward. So that was to Mobile Crisis that you all approved a couple of weeks ago. So we have about 17.3 million remaining. Of course, we know that we have a couple uh, that are coming, coming up uh, in, in the coming weeks. Um, so then I'll go ahead and just start uh, kind of down the list. So first, direct payments to eligible adults. This is that one-time uh, payment uh, program that we have been collaborating with the county with. And we are just kind of buttoning up the details on uh, that agreement with the county um, and hope uh, to, to bring that forward to you for consideration at your next uh, City Council meeting. Eviction prevention this was something that we had invested in uh, throughout the pandemic um, and so we wanted to kind of look at ways to continue to to meet this need going forward. We had kind of put these conversations on hold um, knowing that the state had kind of indicated that they may also be using some federal pandemic dollars uh, to address this need. And they did make uh, announcement that they are going to be contributing about 22 million to a rapid rehousing program. So with that um, knowledge, we've kind of resumed those conversations um, and are looking at how we can kind of support that state's investment through um, uh, our coordinated uh, entry process as well as perhaps a risk mitigation fund. Housing repair and relocation Um, of course we just kind of discussed that so we'll uh, move forward uh, with the forest view plan in the coming weeks and then the emergency nonprofit assistance Um, this was something uh, that kind of we heard about immediately kind of when we had done c- conducted public input it was still kind of in some of the height of that immediate need um, and so we heard a little bit uh, uh, about a need for some nonprofit assistance to, to meet some of that increased demand. We haven't um, necessarily been hearing that as much from the nonprofits. Many of them have also benefited from um, some other uh, uh, assistance sources throughout the pandemic and and now. Um, SO WE'RE ACTUALLY RECOMMENDING THAT THIS uh, RECOMMENDATION KIND OF GETS WRAPPED UP INTO uh, THE SOCIAL SERVICE CAPITAL FUNDING um, PRIORITY THAT I'LL TALK ABOUT IN JUST A FEW uh, a few MORE HERE. SO THEN MOVING ON TO THOSE STRATEGIC INVESTMENTS, um, THE BIPOC BUSINESS SUPPORT FRAMEWORK AND INFRASTRUCTURE. Uh, ASTEG Planning and RE Connect Collective is currently leading an economic inclusion study. Um, We hear that's going well and that they're um, really, really making a final push to kind of hear from everyone and we expect that that will be done, um, will be be presented to us in June of 2022. We also expect that will include some recommendations which will kind of help guide us uh, in our conversation about how we want to invest in BIPOC business support. And then for social service needs assessment and capital funding, um, we have we have talked about doing kind of just a. A NEEDS ASSESSMENT OF ALL THE SOCIAL SERVICE AGENCIES IN THE AREA. WE REALLY THINK THAT IN ORDER FOR THIS TO BE SUCCESSFUL, AND, and THE NONPROFITS AGREE, this, THIS NEEDS TO BE DONE AT A COUNTY LEVEL. THE COUNTY HAS INDICATED THAT THEY um, ARE INTERESTED IN THIS SORT OF COLLABORATION, um, SO uh, WE we JUST WOULD RECOMMEND THAT um, WHEN COUNCIL IS READY TO MOVE THIS ITEM FORWARD, SCHEDULE A WORK SESSION um, TO DISCUSS THIS. WE WOULD NEED TO GAGE WHETHER THE COUNTY IS STILL INTERESTED IN PURSUING um, SOMETHING COLLABORATIVELY HERE. Otherwise. Um, we would suggest perhaps exploring just the development of a capital grant program to meet some of those capital needs for nonprofits. um, Some of that capital funding isn't always um, funding that they can find through other uh, funding sources or grant programs. Um, affordable housing, uh, we ha- really the key one here that, that we'll be um, looking to move on in the coming months is uh, with the Housing Trust Fund of Johnson County. So we have, we've started some kind of preliminary conversations with the Housing Trust Fund. Obviously, the structure, the details, the, none of that's yet decided. We would probably recommend that we look to the Housing Trust Fund for um, some of their ideas there. Um, they've been great stewards of our dollars, and um, we'll... We'll just move in, we expect that in um, the summer we'll be able to bring kind of a a more formal proposal forward to you um, there. Mental health services. um, So this item was, uh, again, that subrecipient agreement you had approved a couple weeks ago with community to expand mobile crisis outreach. um, And we will continue to monitor that as we go forward. Um, The next few here. Uh, Workforce development, we had some great ideas brainstormed um, throughout our public input session, um, and we started a couple of those conversations as well early on. We we would just need to revisit that um, as council directs us to. And then climate resilience, hazard assessment planning, um, again, would be something that would be pending a city council discussion. And then for small business, arts, culture, and tourism investments, we have a small business kind of assistance um, framework in place, so we, we would be able to act quickly on that if, if that was desired. Um, we've also um, talked a little bit about the, op- the opportunity to kind of bolster some economic activity uh, in the community um, through investing uh, with or a partnership with Think Iowa City. And then finally, just a reminder, of course, that um, we do have the option um, to uh, take um, some revenue replacement dollars. The Treasury is actually requiring us to, to elect to do so, um, either through a calculation or a standard allowance of $10 million. So that funding uh, does remain available for any needs that um, perhaps aren't as flexible um, within the, the kind of the guidelines of the, the U.S. Treasury that's just kind of the the outline of where we're at I'm happy
2: to answer questions could could you explain again the the last thing that you just talked about the revenue replacement piece please sure sure so the the final rule I'm I'm sorry the US
9: Treasury allows um, local governments um, to opt to um, take to basically replace revenue that was lost throughout the pandemic um, to use for uh, the provision of government services. Um, They've been pretty intentional in their guidance that this is um, to, to do exactly that so if if there's a need in our community that um, we maybe can't necessarily achieve using ARPA funds because of kind of that stricter guidance in the final rule um, this this has kind of presented itself as a way to to create even more flexibility within the ARPA funds um, so the there's really no the Treasury is kind of encouraging governments to take that as well um, in a way because it's it's Requiring you to either say that if we were to do this we would do revenue We would do a calculation of how much revenue we lost or they're just streamlining it and saying hey governments you can all say we have ten million dollars in lost revenue and rely on that as you go forward in the administration of your ARPA funds
5: Yeah, so so the bottom line is technically when it comes to the ARPA reporting we are going to say we have we're going to elect the 10 million. That's what most every city's doing. Um, we're going to elect to to, to declare 10 million as a revenue replacement. We still feed that money into the same program, so the output is the same at the end of the day. But some of the back end re- stre- um, reporting is streamlined, and also. Um, We have more flexibility on how we can use those funds should should your priorities change over time but if you see cities spending You know arpa recovery dollars on road projects for example road projects aren't part of the um uh, the, The final rule as terms of an eligible project But technically cities can declare the 10 million and then use that 10 million to to fund um other projects so for us, it's more of the back end. Um, it's kind of streamlined some reporting, but um, that rule came out after we set our priorities and we're, we're marching ahead with those same priorities. Thank you. I think what's important for council discussion uh, tonight is you see all these topics, some of them were waiting on a study to be completed or you know we're actively working through, but um, if you see other ones that, that are a top priority for you we can kind of bump some of these to the top of the list or if you see some that you want to revisit uh, we have we have a new council um, obviously we've got two two new members if there's some things that you want to revisit you certainly can as well or if you just want to redirect a little bit um, you you can um, do that now you can schedule additional work sessions Uh, but basically we're going down this list as quickly as we can Um, uh, to start implementation. So if you want to steer us in a different direction, it's just good to get that feedback and get those discussions going.
8: I'll just throw out one thing that I've mentioned, uh, to Jeff directly as well, which is one of the larger chunks we have as, as a possibility here is that social service needs assessment and capital planning or seed funding for initiatives. And, um, I just said, you know, if we're going to be creating something like a grants program, just really being as transparent and communicative as possible, because I have some concerns that, you know, those um, who kind of know how the system works or have been paying attention to this over time will be more likely to come forward with really cool ideas. We know that the need is always greater than our ability to, to uh, support it financially. And so just making sure that we don't kind of put ourselves in a position where, um, people are left out or organizations are left out um, because I think if if we don't do the needs assessment, there's some risk of that, but also, you know, just being communicative and being transparent, making sure people know this funding is there and we have an intention to use it. Um, I think as time goes on, we're going to continue to get proposals or ideas,
2: so whatever we can do to make sure that's fair and equitable. Uh, I I appreciate your saying that. I mean, I think one thing that we could do to ensure that is to essentially have, have a, um, a graduated rollout of those grants so that, you know, somebody who's well prepared can apply early on, but then there will be space for others in, in the next, whatever the next periods are, um, if more, if it comes to the consciousness, to, to the knowledge of others who didn't have that knowledge to begin with, and then have a chance to apply so that maybe you only get one bite at the apple, but others will then be able to.
0: All right, any other thoughts? Thank you, Rachel. We are gonna move on to information packet discussions. We'll start with March 24th.
8: ip2 with the deer management annual report do we have any flexibility or options i remember campaigning and sitting in the audience and listening to the mayor talk about going back to the natural resource commission however many times
5: um the the uh uh, dnr staff is going to give an update um to the natural resource commission at the at their next meeting on our behalf and then um uh we may as staff we may we may go before the natural resource commission uh, at their second meeting or their following meeting later this summer to answer any questions they have about our situation but what we're really trying to do now is uh, work cooperatively with the dnr Um, we we want to um, use their expertise to to make our bow hunt um, program more successful um uh, while respecting the community's wishes on the boundaries so to speak of of what what you know what bow hunting could be done So um, I think they've got some ideas that might help us um, uh, in some in in, in uh, Improve the numbers that we're seeing out of our bow hunt um, But we're also sharing with them, you know the, the data that you see here We had a more in-depth discussion with them a few weeks ago to say you know, even if we were to double or triple our success rate with our bow hunt program, we're not going to get in front of this. And so we've sent them kind of the um, exact locations of where we have accidents, um, and we're trying to say, if a community-wide sharpshooting effort um, isn't acceptable still to the Natural Resource Commission, can we can we explore some very targeted ones in areas where we clearly are having some property damage and risk and have some some significant public safety risk uh, that seems to be growing uh, quickly with the population? And uh, the staff is is definitely open to having those conversations with us. I think um, as long as we continue to try to work and improve our, our bow hunting program, I, I get the impression that that they may be open to us revisiting a limited sharpshooting just to just to get in front of the the situation. Um, Mayor Teague joined joined us for at least one of those uh, uh, NRC meetings. It's, it's hard to predict exactly where it'll go. But We're working on it. The numbers are definitely um, concerning to to see how quickly that population is bouncing back. That's kind of what we feared. And now we're seeing that we're seeing that play out um, both in the deer count, but also in the the, the collisions that uh, our public safety folks are responding to.
4: Yeah, I I appreciate all the work that's gone into revisiting this. And it it always did seem to me to be something where, uh, you know, we're proceeding in good faith you know we're we've initiated the bow hunting let's see how it works and uh, you know report back to the state on on what our findings are and um, you know see if if the state then can see that we may have you know reasonable argument to do a hybrid if necessary to to try to bring the numbers down and it could be where we see there's you know a dramatic increase in the deer population so it's I think this, this all sounds really encouraging to me that, um, you know, we're just proceeding and observing and basing our suggestions and conversations on the facts on the ground and, um, you know, just taking it from there, but I, I, I think we've, we're doing all we can in uh, good faith to try to make this thing work.
2: Yeah. And I hope they'll also understand eventually that this, that the community itself has some red lines in terms of where where this activity can take place and we're not going to be able to get past that.
0: Any other comments from info, information packet March 24th?
2: I think IP4 sounds like it's going to be a lot a really interesting idea and a lot of fun. Yeah. Public works open house.
7: Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
0: All right, moving on to March uh, 31st and we do have the um, joint entities meeting agenda item
5: um, for April 18th. Um, Just a reminder on that at your previous meeting, you asked us to put the guide link, uh, to ask the guide link staff to be there for a quick uh, update. Mm -hmm. So we'll do that.
0: Were there any other additional things council thought of?
2: I mean, I just, I don't, none of us know where where the pandemic is headed at this point. I think it would be helpful if they're willing to have Sam Jarvis or someone speak as well, just to give a a broader community update for the county and the state.
0: That'd be great. Mm -hmm. We know that we still have, um, the, the child care Mm -hmm. for future.
6: And I don't know if it's appropriate now, but I have talked to, um, Jennifer Banta who is part of she was part of the statewide um, kind of task force on child care that helped provide recommendations to um, governor reynolds but has been very very active um, with a local coalition here um, actually in the county Um, and she would be willing to come give a brief presentation Um, i told her we've got a lot going on in april so but she was thinking may if or actually was asking, and I guess I'm asking now, if if that could be possible, simply because I think it could be really informative as we move into strategic planning and thinking about ARPA funds and um, just for us to all get on the same page about what is already being done in this area. So um, obviously I don't set the agenda, but I guess I'm asking that, you know, it would be wonderful if it could be sort of, you know, late spring um, as we start to talk about stuff. And I I realize that's separate from the joint entities, but I just kind of hop the line
0: there. (laughs) So I want to just make sure that Council know that you're referring to our work session. Yes, I haven't heard come here. And I think we had took a census of um, wanting to do that, and we'll get that on the work session in the future. Yeah, But I I think that's a great idea. I leapfrogged. Sorry about that. But, But yes, definitely on the joint entities meeting, uh, we want to have that um, in the future. I don't know. I mean, we can certainly propose it, um, but we already have a you know a big item on there. GuideLink, you know, could take up some time, and it's I think appropriate for guide Link to kind of get out there as well and give an update.
6: Yeah, just to be clear, I I actually, I just, I hopscotched over and I went immediately to our (coughs) work session discussion as opposed to talking about that being on joint entities. Because I know that the last time we met, you did bring it up and and I know there's interest. So I think as we all get better information, then we can go forward. But no, I was not suggesting it again.
0: Has the request to the county already been submitted for the joint, uh, for a guide link?
2: no not School yet board.
0: I was waiting yeah. to get more info okay and uh do we confirm that guide link is available yet or not quite
5: i have not but i, c- I can reach out to Abby. Okay. and, and the, sure. the
0: reason i ask is because i know at the last mm-hmm. meeting we did talk about child care so would we consider um really reaching out for the child care update at this joint entities meeting and then no
6: like i'm the expert here no no i was thinking more that jennifer would be able to come and speak to council so that we could know sort of like what opportunities and possibilities there were for iowa city as we start thinking about strategic planning and whatnot um
0: all right so i just want to make sure your your hope is that um that conversation happens here first before it goes to the county the joint entities meeting
6: i wasn't thinking that we would do child care at a joint entity at, at all not not this one no okay no i'm sorry that's where i was all right no worries confusing we'll,
0: we'll stay with guy link center the guy link and then um, we'll talk about child care um at the joint entities meeting in the, in the future any other um item with, related to march 31st info packet
4: well the the traffic nerd in me um noted this letter from the iowa dot on pavement markings Um, in in reading the letter from dot it referred to the uh, the placement of a multi-component durable liquid pavement marking material for the new center and edge lines do we know do you know what that material is the reason i'm asking is you know i think i've raised in the past how i i see our some of our pavement markings fade away very, very quickly. And uh, this sounds like a more durable material that the Iowa DOT is using, at least in this project. Uh, so I was, I was interested to know what precisely was being used and um, start I, from there, but per- perhaps that kind of material could be used in those applications where we felt a more durable material was appropriate.
5: We'll have to circle back to you on that. Yeah.
0: Any other items from the info packet, March thirty
8: first? Yes, I'd just highlight the electric bus bash on uh, April twenty second, which is Earth Day at Riverfront Crossings Park. Um, yeah, that was at IP fifteen. So excited to see that.
5: Yep. Mayor, I was also hoping you could, uh, everybody could pull out the tentative meeting this schedule. I've had a little bit uh, difficulty yes. um, finding consensus uh, for our strategic planning meeting. Um, it does look like that will have to be in May at some point. And again, we're looking for a half to three-quarters day uh, that could work for the uh, entire council. Um, uh, i've got the dates in may that are open to the the facilitator team um i don't know how best to to, to go about this previously we were looking for monday wednesday friday starting at 9:30, and that's where we were running into some some trouble so whether we need to push that into an evening hour late afternoon evening if that makes more sense if you want to explore different days of the week um, i'm not sure but uh the the facilitators have some pretty good availability here, so uh, if anybody wants to throw out <laughs> throw out some days or ideas, I'd... uh, it
0: does Wednesday work for people
8: are there uh, any as Wednesdays, a starting. It, I mean, are there Wednesdays that work for ECog? Uh,
5: so the fourth, uh, and the eighteenth. Uh, are both are the are the only two that are open in May, and the fourth, the city attorney is 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 not available. so the eighteenth could potentially um, work
7: I would be available on
0: the eighteenth
6: mm-hmm.
4: That works for me.
3: I'm good for the eighteenth.
6: This is far enough out i'll I can do it. okay.
0: what time are we um yeah, I can
5: do it. Do you have a preference on uh time? So you have a council meeting the night before. Um mm-hmm. would you rather uh, start nine thirty or would you want to push that a little bit?
8: I'd rather not push it.
5: Yeah.
6: Nine thirty is fine.
5: Keep nine thirty. Okay. And um
0: just for a time frame, what were we planning?
5: Um I would say um, we probably need a minimum of four hours. I'd like to say maybe maybe plan on five, and, mm-hmm. and maybe we don't get there, but four to five hours is probably what I would target. If that's if that's too much, if if other if you have commitments or something, that's fine. Just let let me know. We'll, we can put a hard end date. It'll just affect how we plan for that that day.
3: And what was the start time again?
5: 930 930. So we could do 930 and do either a break for lunch or a working lunch uh, and, uh, you know, go go to the early afternoon.
2: hmm. let's block off the day.
5: Yeah.
0: Yeah, probably a work and lunch. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. OK. All right. Team
8: building lunch yes <laughs> a team
4: building lunch no I
6: marshmallows said. and pipe cleaners <laughs> <laughs>
4: we can make lunch together
8: we can make lunch together. Oh. this is an excellent idea <laughs>
5: <laughs> okay thank you that is uh very helpful
0: thank you all right anything else there with um the March 31st info packet All right, we will continue on. Um, So MSG, uh, USG um, updates, Um, they are not able to be here, but we did get some updates, so I'll just uh, kind of read through them. So USG will stock the Eastside Food Pantry with sustainable menstrual products for UI students, such as menstrual cups and period underwear. Almost all of the magnets have been distributed to places around campus, um, the community. Um, and there was also more magnets dropped off at City Hall yesterday. USG met, met with Iowa legislators to advocate for student resources at the state level. University of Iowa students met with um, about improvements for higher education institutions in Iowa, including student department, rental and mental health resources and state funding on last Thursday. Many USG members are in DC for the week uh, for Big Ten on the Hill lobbying legislators on many issues, including um, uh, things that are really uh, ensuring basic needs. Uh, that includes addressing food insecurity, mental health accessibility, specifically advocating for a TREAT Act, expanding expanding PS, PSLF, which is debt-forgiving jobs. If you want more in-depth explanation of what they advocated for, Ellie is actually there and she can share more information when she get back. 30 rooms in the IMU will be available during the lease gap during periods, according to uh, Tanya Vilhauser at the April 1st off-campus housing meeting. Still getting information on how students can apply to this from Tanya as well as strategizing ways to get information out to students. USG voted to renew its support for a sustainability general education course that will be implemented university-wide. And then Patrick Johnson and Vera Burkowski made an unopposed run for UI student, government president and VP and are elected for the 2022 through 2023 executive ticket along with many uh, Senator, so we'll have our new people joining us, um, this fall. Those are their announcements. Anything else for the good of the cause today by council?
8: Just a reminder. We have MPOJC tomorrow, tomorrow, which I think is everyone except you mayor
2: 430. And there was a, um, uh, there was a JEXA meeting, um, which the, the budget was approved. I um, also went through the audit report and I mean one of the best things that Jax ever did was was transfer it appears for a whole variety of reasons was transfer it's essentially budget and counting to the city of Iowa City um, which has really which has helped provide different layers of control and and really accurate and really accurate budgeting and um, they got a great report from the auditor so
0: great anything else for the good of the cause we are adjourned enjoy the rest of your evening